you are here for one of my very favorite Sundays of the year. I know it might have looked a little bit differently, but can we give it up for our next generation sitting in the crowd? This weekend, we had our winter conference, and they came for Friday night and Saturday, and it was jam-packed with so many different things. Um, and I'm, I'm going to recap them for you really quickly. I know I can't fit all of the stories and all of the fun and all of the life change that happened in just a couple of minutes, um, but I am going to share with you a couple of highlights as some pictures roll through the screen. I'll tell you what it's like uh, to work in student ministry um, might be a little bit different than the rest, you know? Um, so like Friday night, we have s'mores outside. Raise your hand if you like s'mores that are literally burnt to a crisp. Absolutely not. You might be a psychopath. It just like tastes like ash. You know what I mean? Like it just is not good in any way, shape, or form. But these students... They just love it, and I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So we have s'mores. We also like healthy competition, okay? So you get all the way down to this egg battle, okay? Each of them got an egg, and they just smashed it against another egg. And science proves that one of them, one of those eggs, will become stronger. So look, Aiden's just so happy with his strong egg. Cornelius, right? We love it. We love it. We love it. We love competition. But more so about this weekend, what we really want is them for, uh, for them to level up in their leadership, for them to dive a little bit deeper, maybe in worship where it's raising their hands for the first time and surrendering their heart. Maybe it's taking notes that one day they can literally pull from that same scripture. They can remember uh, that story. They can remember that sermon and they can apply it to their life. Maybe it looks like friendships, community, people that you can surround yourself with and know that they're there with you, fighting with you for the same God, the same goal, the same purpose every single day. That's Fuser in a Conference. And we had an amazing time this weekend. And I want to share with you a little bit about why they're wearing these shirts that say, by faith, that look like jerseys. We went um, and, and told them about uh, the miracle on ice. Uh, if you've seen that movie, it's a great one um, where, you know, their team is a little bit divided. Uh, that hockey team, they don't get along and they're, they're going to go play for the Olympics. And, you know, the coach gets frustrated after a preseason game and he conditions them on the line again and again, going back and forth, back and forth across the ice. And then he says this quote, said, you better remember something. When you pull on that jersey, you represent yourself and your teammates. But you better get it through your head that the name on the front is more important than the name on the back. And that's what it means to represent. Saying, I'm all about we. I am not about me. It's going to be about my teammates. It's going to be about the kingdom over what I want. And we learned this weekend what it looks like to represent and what it looks like to be a good teammate. And we really echoed that in a couple of different stories, but the first one was Moses. And we're going to dive right in to verse 24, where it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, 
refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And what we see in these verses is that Moses is literally forsaking his privilege. It's exactly like what we were talking about. The world is going to tell you, do what is best for you. Do what is fun. Do what makes you the most money. Spend all your time investing in the things of this world because that is what matters. But I'm going to tell you, Moses had a different perspective. He denied himself the benefits. And he said, you know what? It's not about what's best for me. It's about what is best for the kingdom. And so I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people above loving myself. And it just doesn't make sense how that equation can come together. But I'm going to tell you that when you love God and you love people, that is what is best for yourself. Just watch, just wait, just see. When you align yourself with that purpose, God is going to show you infinitely more than you can imagine. Verse 25, it says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses said, put me in, coach. I want to get in the game. I want to engage in your purpose, and I want to be a part of your plan. But it says right here, mistreated along with the people of God. We know that that comes with some level of persecution. It comes with a weight. And I'm here to tell you on behalf of your students, their jersey is heavy. It's heavy. And it's hard to represent. And they've been going around into their schools, sometimes their teams, and even with their friends. And they're getting beat up. They're getting beat down. And as they go through these challenges, they can start to see that things might look a little bit different than what they had expected before. Where their jersey, when they put it on, they were like, you know what, I'm joining God's team. This is going to be great. This is going to be perfect. My life well, maybe it'll look a lot better if I just surrender and I say yes to God. But then all of a sudden they get these tears and it gets worn out because they're battling the things of this world all the time. And there are consequences for that choice to put on the jersey. And there's a lot that comes with that. I think our students suffer with the consequences of not being invited. And I think that that can lead to a lot of lonely places where you feel like you are set apart and you are not like anybody else and you really want to go, you really want to be a part of something. But now you have to stay home on a Friday night because you don't do what other people do. I think that Jersey would feel heavy. I think there's a lot of hurt a lot of betrayal, because when your friends don't walk the way that you're walking, sometimes when your family isn't walking the way that you're walking, you're fixing your eyes on Jesus and on eternity, and they're trying to pull you in this opposite direction, I'm going to tell you, they're going to have to scratch, they're going to have to claw, they're going to have to fight their way out of that, and it might leave them with some marks. I also think when you put on the jersey... It doesn't solve all your problems. You're still warring with Egypt. 
the Egypt that you tried to leave behind, the Egypt that you dropped the chains and you said, I'm not going to look back on that anymore. It might be their addiction or their depression or the anxiety or their trauma. They're still warring with those things, even when they come to church, even when they show up on Wednesday nights, even when they're reading their Bible, even when they're praying. It's hard. The jersey is heavy. But we know that if the jersey is heavy and if you feel that weight, that means that you're wearing it well. It should feel heavy. And it might be worn out. But you know what? It's also worn in. And you're doing it well. You're representing every single day. I have a story about these 10th grade girls. After we preached this sermon, uh, these girls got together and they discussed what their jerseys might look like and they kind of had a different perspective of this, uh, of this metaphor. And one of the girls said, you know what? I think I have my ripped up jersey on, but then I just put another jersey on top of it. I think I'm wearing two jerseys because I'm masking the one that I don't want people to see. Another girl said, you know what? I think I've come in right before I put on the jersey and now I'm wearing it and there have been things in my past that have ripped me apart inside. It's my, my war, my Egypt that I've been going through and I keep battling it all the time. But you know what? I think Jesus is coming to stitch it back up for me. And I think he's going to make my jersey as good as new. I know I haven't been coming here for a long time, but I can already see him working. So good. They get it. They understand it. Now, parents, I want to talk to you. I think that you need to know that you're a part of the difference. If you're not a parent in this room, if you didn't have a kid that went to Winter Conference, you can still be a part of this, and you can still make a difference. You see, there was this man who was an Olympic athlete. His name was Derek Redman. And he's going into the Olympics, ready to run his race, excited to participate, to go for the gold. So he stretches, he gets ready. He's in the game, you know, doing his thing, the thing that he loves the most. And he gets on that line and he's ready to run. And when he does, he, he starts running really well and he's winning. And people are excited. They're waiting in anticipation. And he's still running. He goes around for that first lap. And the crowd is cheering because they know that he can do it. They're excited for him because they see so much potential. He goes around for the second lap. And when he does, his Achilles heel tears. And he starts hopping, hopping, just to the finish line. And you can imagine the heartbreak. Everything that he's worked for all of his life now feels on the inside like it's all breaking. And he doesn't know what to do. The only thing that he knows to do is fix his eyes, to keep going, to keep moving. And he might have looked stupid. He might have looked silly. But he kept hopping to that finish line. And then he looked in the crowd. And he saw his dad. And his dad came to the track. And he put his arm around him. 
and he hopped him to the finish line. He said, you know what, we're not quitters. You know what we do? We finish because it's not about winning. It's about finishing the race. The dad said, if you need me to take you to the finish line, I'm going to take you to the finish line. And that's what we need to be for these students, to say, I will come alongside you. I will protect you. I will help you. I will talk to you. I will ask you how you are doing. I will help you get to where you need to go because my eyes are fixed on eternity. I want your eyes to be fixed on eternity. And if it means I have to come and help you get there because you're struggling with the things that are happening to you, then I will help you get there. You parents, you people in this room, you may a difference for this generation. Get in the game. It might not always look pretty, and you might not be first, but you can help them finish the race. One of the coolest stories that I got to hear this weekend was about Hudson Thompson. And it's really cool. Ooh, I'm going to try not to get emotional, but hell lost another one. And the cool part of this story is uh, we had worshipped in here, and we had, we had preached the sermon, and we were ready, right, to go to 3330 Eldorado and worship just a little bit more. And as we're leaving this building, one of the guys in his groups goes up to Greg, who is his leader, and he said, you know what? I think that Hudson just accepted Christ. <laughs> and Greg is like, this is literally a quote from Greg. It was so good. It said, it is like our future is creating life change in our present. When they got to 3330, he said, knowing this information, but not actually uh, talking to Hudson yet, you know, I kind of waited to feel it out, and they, they got on the buses, and then they got back out, and he went to go meet Hudson, and then he gave him a big hug, and with tears in his eyes, at 3330, he says, I feel like I found him for the first time. And he's right there, sporting number two, right next to Greg. That's what it looks like to come alongside your teammate, to represent, to say it's more about the name on the front than it is the name on the back. And that's why we do Winter Conference. As for kids like Hudson, and there's so many more, we get to do this. And I can't wait for you to hear more of the stories. Titus is going to come out and give you more insight about what happened at 3330 because, man, I, I know that you might have a little, like, FOMO, right? That, like, you might have felt like you missed out, but don't you worry. We're bringing it right here, okay? We're bringing it right here, right to you, live in action, and share with you some stories. Because So if you could, join me in welcoming Titus Bourne to the stage. Give it up for Jesse one more time. I was kind of thinking, like, do I even need to come out there? Do I even go out there? I mean, goodness gracious. Last night I had the students kind of stand up in between sessions to do some jumping jacks and get, you know, awake and everything. And I'm not going to ask you to do that today unless you feel like you need to, you know. 
oh, I was hoping one person just stood up, you know? Oh, I've been so good. I'm like, right there. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Someone asked me this morning, Titus, are you awake? Like, are you tired? Are you exhausted? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I started thinking, I was like, but honestly, I'm not just awake. Like, I'm alive. Like, I am alive. Like, there's something in me, there's something in these students, there's something going on that it's, it's, it's more than just being awake. It's more than just going through your day. It's, it's living, living as we were, in, we were made to live. So this morning, I hope you are awake. I hope you are ready and I hope you are alive. Looking forward to what we got today in God's word. So, Fusion Conference 2023 was epic. I mean, amazing. Our last conference in this building and we did it right. Last night we talked about the freedom that you need to find and then how we need to fight for that freedom. We talked about the Red Sea and how the Israelites were in captivity and they were enslaved. And then God delivered them across dry ground as he split the sea in half and they walked their way to freedom. And it was a beautiful picture of the freedom that we all need from all, of the, all the bondage in our past. And so today we're gonna pick up right after that when the Israelites wander for a little bit and then they get to Jericho. They get to the walls of Jericho and it's their first fight after their freedom. And as we were going through this messaging, trying to figure out you know, what we're gonna preach when, we were like, oh, if we're doing freedom right here, then we gotta tell them how they gotta fight for that freedom. That when you find that freedom, listen up, when you find that freedom, the race doesn't stop there. You don't stop once you've found Jesus. You start when you find Jesus because there's a fight that you gotta get in once you find that freedom. So today's sermon is, is titled, Fight, The Fight for Freedom. And I was thinking about these moments in the Bible, right? Where we see the Red Sea split and we're gonna see another miracle happen in a second with Jericho. A lot of you Sunday school people, you know exactly what's gonna happen, right? And it's these amazing, miraculous moments. I think about Elijah calling fire down from heaven. You know, it's just like these crazy moments. And sometimes we read the Bible and we're like, oh yeah, it's really cool. I think sometimes we approach it as like a fairy tale. But like this happened, like, like real talk, this happened. The waters split in half and a whole nation of people walked across on dry ground. Like, is that your typical Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen? Do you see that? No, no, you don't see that. Right? It's like these epic movie moments that we all know, right? It's like huge cinematic moments. I think about different cinematic moments that we know today, like, you know, Avengers, Endgame, that's like the most iconic thing right now, you know, when Captain America is like the only one left versus Thanos, his arm's all broken, he just straps that shield down, he says, I can do this all day. You know, it's like that moment, you know, the goosebumps. I think about Rocky Balboa. Anybody in here, Rocky Balboa? Mm. Versus the Russian, the Russian says, I must break you, you know? And then Rocky, what does he do? He goes in there and he beats the Russian and it's like, America, right? <laughs> and you just feel it. You're like, give me a bald eagle for Christmas. <laughs> I love America. Like that's what Rocky does, that moment, that cinematic moment. But every great movie, every, every one of these cinematic moments has this buildup, right? This, this buildup. For Rocky, it's, uh, it's, it's Creed dying in the ring, and it's heartbreaking, and it's, it's terrible, but it, it, it like makes you just, you know, you're in it more. With Avengers Endgame, they had to lose in the first movie to get to the second one where they're going to come back and win. It's all this buildup, right, to these epic moments. And so as I go through this message today, I want you to visualize it as a buildup to this 
amazing cinematic moment. So in Joshua 6.1, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. This is the moment where I see in the movies where it's like, it's about to go down, right? It's like when somebody steps to you on the schoolyard, right? It's like, hold my hoops, right, ladies? You know, take off those earrings. Because it's about to go down. You might, I, I might break a couple nails today fighting this woman. That's just how it is, right? But it's that it's about to go down moment. I was telling the students last night, when, uh, when you're with your siblings, right, you're wrestling around, you know, you know, it's getting a little, it's getting a little crazy, having fun, no stuff and fun. Parents, you've probably seen this happen before. And then one sibling takes it too far, right? One sibling takes it too far. My little brother, one time, we were doing it, well, you know, just a little roughhousing, that's all. And he, he's, a, he's a flailer when he gets, you know, riled up. So his foot kicked me right in my jaw. And so it's, it's like this pause, right, where I, you know, my face changes, you know, it goes from <laughs> to like, and then his face changes, you know, from to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it's this, I mean, fear, right? Because there's this pause, like it's about to go down. Maybe, maybe, you know, in the marriage, there's some, you know, things that, you know, a little sensitive topics. And then they bring it up in the moment where things are getting heated and you both are like, whoa, right? Moment changed, right? This was talking about the waffles not being made or the waffles being burned or something. And now it's this huge situation. You know, it's about to go down. That's the kind of moment we see. Jericho is this circular city built up with walls. And they see the Israelites approaching and start reinforcing these walls. And no one's going out and no one's coming in. And then we see in Joshua 6 too, it says, And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Now that word delivered right there, super important. Because if anybody knows anything about grammar here, all right, that ED on the end makes it a past tense word, right? But they haven't conquered Jericho. Jericho's still standing. Jericho is not defeated. So God's using a past tense word to talk about a future event. I start thinking, man, man, like do any of us talk that way? We don't, we don't get up in the morning and say, you know, I ran seven miles today. Mm -mm. Now I know the whole name it and claim it, like, you know, motivation, that's not like, come on, come on. You're gonna say, I'm going to try to run seven miles today, right? We don't talk like that because in our minds, we don't know what's gonna happen. But God, he knows, he knows the outcome. He's saying, it's delivered, it's already done. The fight is finished but it's finished as long as you can follow my instruction. It's already finished. That thing that you've been struggling with, it's already been conquered. It's already been bled for on the cross. But do you have the faith to follow the instruction? Do you have the faith to believe it's already done? We see in the next verses the instruction that God gives Joshua who's now leading the Israelite army. He says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. 
Students, what do we call this? We call this trumpets and what? Circles. Trumpets and? Circles. Trumpets and circles, y'all. Trumpets and circles. That's the battle strategy that God is giving Joshua and the Israelites. Now, for those of you who don't know, this was not like a typical battle strategy in the biblical days, okay? It wasn't like, hey, you know, we're going to fight these people. We're going to go to war. All right, everybody grab the trumpets on the walls. Were you practicing your circles this morning? You know, like that wasn't, that wasn't normal. It was not the status quo by any means. But here we see that that is the instruction that God is giving this army. Trumpets and circles. It doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And how many times in our lives has God given us an instruction and we've looked at him and we said, no, that doesn't make sense, God. And then what do we do? What we do is we, we turn to our way. Because when we see a fight, what do we do? We're, the, we're putting the boxing, boxing gloves on, right? We're becoming Rocky Balboa at heart, right? Like that's what we do. When we see a fight happening, we respond our way. When God's way doesn't make sense in our lives, what do we do? We go back to our way. Because if we can't make sense of the plan that God is you know, putting our life on, then it must not be the right plan because I can't understand it. And it's this control that we want, this control of our situation, this control so that we can get ours, right? In a world where everyone tells you, go get yours, don't think about anyone else, right? Our way to success, chasing that bag, right? trying to get more and more money, more and more stuff. And you have one goal and you go get that goal and then guess what? You don't feel satisfied, right? So then you have to go get another thing and then another thing and then another thing. And then you're surrounded by things. We got nothing in your heart. Because you're doing it your way. Your way. You're gonna do your way in marriage? Where has your way gotten you? Has it gotten you to a place of peace? Has it gotten you to a place of unconditional love that the Bible describes a marriage should be? Where's your way gotten you? Because God's saying trumpets and circles. And what's amazing is that God doesn't give, just, just give us these stories where we can take these lessons. He also gives us just clear instruction. In Luke 6, it says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. It doesn't make sense to love someone who hates you. It doesn't make sense to pray for someone who mistreats you. But that is what we are called to do. Why? I'll tell you, in 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. Because when Jesus came down from paradise in heaven and lived a perfect life to come down to this earth to save that which was lost, to save souls, and then died on the cross for you, for your mistakes, for your struggles, for all the times that you choose to do it your own way. He said, that person's worth it. You're worth it. And it doesn't make sense, right? But what if it's not about making it, what if it's not about making sense anymore? 
What if it's just about following? What if it's just about accepting that Jesus loves you more than anyone or anything could ever love you? And that's worth following. That he can provide something in your life that you've never had before. And that's why you listen and follow the instruction that he's given us. And then on Joshua 6, 15, it says, On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day, they circled the city seven times. Something was different on the seventh day. Oh my, I'm about to preach, y'all. Something was different on the seventh day. Every other day, they did one circle. But on the, on the seventh day, hmm, seven circles, seven circles. I mean, can you, can, can you, can you just feel... Can you feel the excitement, right? In the Israelite army taking each step. And what it said is that Joshua said not to, not to say a word, not, 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 not to say a word until he says to shout when the trumpets blow on the seventh day at the seventh circle. So they're walking in silence, y'all. They're walking in silence. I mean, can you see it? Each step of the Israelite army in the sand, each footprint. Now there's millions of footprints around this city on the seventh day, they're seeing their tracks as they walk around in circles. The only thing that's, that's sounding out is the trumpets being blown every day. And then we get to this point, the buildup, right? The buildup to the epic cinematic moment. The seventh time around when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout for the Lord has given you this city. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted at the sound of the trumpet when the man Men gave a loud shout. The wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in. They walked in circles for seven days, and they blew trumpets for seven days in silence, all to see the walls collapse because they followed the instruction. They had the faith to see it fall. They had the faith to know, God, you're talking in the past tense about a future thing. That doesn't make any kind of sense. But God, we're going to walk and we're gonna blow these trumpets. And you see why, why do you fight for this freedom? Because we all need walls to fall. We all need walls to fall. I don't know what your wall is. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a past pain or a trauma that you have just let infect every part of your life since. And you've been holding on to it and the wall just hangs over you and you, you, just, you just can't seem to get it down. Maybe it's a, the wall of comparison or jealousy where, oh, well, they have this car, they have this house. And so we're not doing good enough. We're not, we're not no. It's all these different walls that we have built up because our way the sad reality, everyone, our way, it builds the walls. But God's way breaks them. Our way builds up these walls. But God's way comes in and says, hey, 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 follow me and watch me work. Follow me and watch me break these walls down. In Hebrews 11.30, Hebrews 11 is where we were at the entire Fusilor Conference. This is where this inspiration for Jericho came to be because Hebrews 11 is, a, is a, a recall of all these epic faith moments from the Old Testament. And it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Last point, you have to fight like you have never fought before to win what you have never won before. You have to fight like you've never fought before if you're gonna win something that you've never won before. 
So right here, I got this ram's horn, all right, this trumpet. It's called a shofar, all right, for those of you who are, you know, familiar. And this represents God's way. And we were thinking about this sermon, and I was reading through this. I was like, how can we not have one of these, right, ready to go? But I started doing some research because I thought, you know, I could just go right here and just, you know, boom. It's not the case, everyone. Um, apparently, it takes some sort of skill. And so I was kind of getting to a point, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. Um, but then my good friend, Corey McEwen, a uh, student pastor at our church, uh, found out he played trumpet in high school. And so he picked the thing up, and I'm going to invite him out right now. And he'll demonstrate. Before he demonstrates, students, you remember what to do when you hear the... All right, all right, all right. Corey, go ahead. Take it away. No pressure. Go. Thank you, Corey. Everybody say bye to Corey now. That's student ministry, y'all. Okay, they come in, they come on the stage, and they go off, all right? It's all for the point. It's all for the point. But you see the students get rowdy, right? They get loud. They have that loud shout out because what we did is we, did, we decided that when we blow this horn the same way that it was blown in the Bible, that we're going to give out a loud shout of praise, of worship, because we're going to follow God's way because we're deciding to walk God's way. Because again, our way builds these walls, but God's way breaks them. See, you want freedom, real freedom? Fight God's way. You want real hope? You want real purpose? Fight God's way. You want a healthy, happy marriage? Fight God's way. You want to be the best parent for your children? You better fight God's way. Quit trying to do it your own way and fight God's way. See, our students last night, we decided, it's our last Fusioner Conference in this building, that we're gonna have to end it last night at 3330 El Dorado in the new building. Because they need to know where we're going and they need to know what we're doing. But out there, we had these two jerseys and what these two jerseys represented is the commitment, the commitment to representing Jesus in their lives. And we told them that only sign these jerseys with your initials if you are saying, I'm ready to commit. And look at the product. Look, you can see it here. I can stop talking and just leave these right here hanging. And it would tell a thousand stories of students who decided to commit. And what happened was this beautiful moment. We decided to worship worship in the worship center that we're going to be in in five months because that's where we're going and the next generation broke the building in because that's what we care about just in metro church investing in the next generation because they're coming after us to lead the generations after them so watch this moment with me as we got to worship in this new building I mean, give it up for that right there. Amazing moment, an amazing moment of worship because we found out last night that worship, that's our weapon. Faith, 
That's our fight. And we're going to keep going. We're not going to stop. Genesis Metro, Fuse, we're not stopping. There's, there's not a, COVID couldn't stop us, all right? And this is not stopping us either. I don't know what's going to arise. I don't know what's going to come. But I know that we are going to keep fighting together and that we are going to keep going. Because this world today, they need believers who are out there loving people. They need people who are fighting for them. And why do we keep fighting? So that we get others to come fight with us. That building was a dream. 20 years ago was a dream. My father, Tim Bourne, the pastor of this church, picked a spot on the map for Frisco, Texas, and moved everything to start a church. Started with four people in the living room of our house. And I watched as a child this dream be sacrificed for, hours and hours and hours worked for. And there were so many times where we didn't know what was going to happen. And then last night we had our first ever worship service in a building that we never, never thought we could have. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But when you follow God's way, the walls that fall, the seas that split, and the things that happen can only be attributed to the power of God. I don't know about you, but that's what, that's what I, I want to build my life on. That's what I've gotten to build my life on. I, I used to be a student sitting there every Wednesday night. Parents drug me to church, right? And now I look back at those moments, and I'm so thankful that my parents had me in a church. Because when my storms came, when my struggles got too much for me to bear, I knew the answer. Parents, do your students know the answer? Are you positioning your kids to know the answer? That's what they need. That's what we need as a church. I'm gonna pray for us, then we'll go to some worship. God, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to come together and grow in our faith to grow with you. God, as these students go out into their, into their lives and into their schools, into their families, into their teams, God, I pray that they remember this weekend. They remember what happened. They remember the way they worshiped. They remember what representing Jesus means, what living by faith means. God, I pray for the, all the parents and adults in here that they see why investing in the next generation is worth it. All the time, all the money, and all the effort given towards this ministry, how it is worth it every single time. And it might not make sense at times to keep giving and to keep going and to keep fighting. But God, these weekends right here, watching these students worship, watching the life change that has occurred in response to God's word, that for every believer should be a motivation that takes you far and wide to keep going. God, we thank you and we love you in your name. Amen.